Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every Nars? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, a gentleman I just met in person, but we've we've known each other on Twitter, following each other and uh, liking each other's tweets and so forth for years. Mr. Dave Cactus, how are you doing this evening? Good, good. How are you doing, my friend? Good. Doing well. Doing well. I had a uh, you know, I guess it wasn't a light day at work. It wasn't a heavy day at work. It was just a, it was just a, a solid day at work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what is fucking great expectations suddenly? <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah, actually. No, wait, that's uh, the best day of selling security equipment. It was the worst day of selling security equipment. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's, that's, that, that fits. That, that, that's honestly how it was. So, <laughs> but how about you, Brian? What have you been up to? schools and kickball have i talked about that yet? no not on the podcast you just messaged me we we uh, uh with schedule adjustments because i know your oh, your yeah. kid is deep into kickball season right now my yeah. daughter dropped a huge bomb on on our podcast schedule with with her new hobby which is awesome she's so we we in the past year we've sent them to catholic school and something i didn't know about catholic school is that they're huge into kickball like there's like six or seven different like Catholic schools around where we live in, in Indianapolis mm -hmm. and they all play each other. And my daughter's team is like the bad news bears. Okay. Wait, is that their actual and, name or they're just like the bad news? Their uniform is a little more faded because like, so we, I love that they have a three quarter length shirt, you know, the cool old school baseball shirt. And it's like dope. And I want one, <laughs> but like we get to the, the parking lot, of the school and like they're, they're practicing. And then like St. Jude, we're St. Rock and St. Jude pulls up and they have like the flashiest uniforms and they're like almost like marching in. <laughs> and they were, she's in the third grade, by the way, but they were like, this other team was freaking amazing. And they were just like, our team was sort of like fumbling around because they had never really played together yet. It was funny. So is that St. Rock? Like R O C K? Are in the USA? No, in the... it's R O C H. Oh, was that an actual saint? Is there a saint named? Yeah. Okay. Who? Yeah. Who were they? What did they do? Um, th that was their pronouns. Yes, yeah. and it was. 
<laughs> I don't know their pronouns, so I have to. I have to. No, I need to look wait. it up now again. Um, you were raised Catholic. You should know this. I know. I, I did know, and I've forgotten. Only be, and here's why: is because Kara and the kids have recently gotten um, like baptized, and Kara was confirmed. Um, cool. He was anti-plague work. Okay. So okay. He's like a, he's a very appropriate saint for these modern times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right on. So yeah, that's what what's what we've been doing lately. Nice. Just kickballing it up. <laughs> well, what what about you, Dave? Uh what what have you been up to lately or uh or also with our audience of anywhere from given depending on the week, anywhere from twelve to maybe yeah. twenty listeners. Um it, is there a, <laughs> anything you want to share, your band, adrenaline, anything you could uh, kind of point people towards you want to plug at the moment? I mean we're playing out a lot of shows. They're almost all in Denver. So if any of those 12 to 20 people are in Denver, or especially all of them, that's about how many people we get coming to our shows. Um, but it's great. We're having a great time, you know, doing the whole thing where I look like Pete Wentz and play like Pete Wentz. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the band's called Adrenaline. If anybody wants to check us out, we're easy to find. Nice. Adrenaline. You're in Denver? Am I a who, huh? Are you, are you, you, you are in Denver? Is that where you live? I am in Denver, yes. Yeah, cool, cool. Sorry, I didn't know. It would be weird if I lived in Milwaukee and we only played in Denver, but anything's possible. <laughs> You're not allowed in Milwaukee anymore, Dave, so... At <laughs> <laughs> least I remind you. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's cool. And then, and then uh, Dave, like I said, we, we know each other through Twitter, and I don't really have a specific question, just what are your feelings on... I feel like Twitter now is like a ghost of what it used to be. And uh, I don't yeah. know. It's it's real. It's really weird. It's really weird right now. Yeah, there was a time where I could drop a stupid dad joke and get a thousand likes in a day. Easy. And that's not bragging just because I'm awesome. But <laughs> now I'm lucky if I get a hundred in a week. And I think my dad jokes are the same caliber, if not better. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All the people who did come to Twitter for jokes are now coming there to hate on whoever's a different political ideology from them. And, I mean, that's fine, you know, do your thing, but still like my tweets. That's that's my only <laughs> ask here. Yeah. Right. Well, and I feel like, you know, tweets like that, I don't know, I feel like maybe they aren't given the same visibility as they were in the past, especially if you don't pay for a blue check mark, you know? And then, yeah. And then I always see, like, increasingly like right wing propaganda kind of stuff in my, and I'm like, why am I, why is this being pushed to me? Like, why am I seeing all of this all the time now? You know? Yeah. At some point the floodgate opened up between Facebook and Twitter and they all came and they're camping out there and it's my job to make them uncomfortable. So I'm doing the best I can. When I, and I feel like, uh, cause there was a, I, I'm not really, I'm almost never on TikTok anymore, but there was, Again, being deep in the pandemic, about a year ago, like the beginning of 2022, I got on TikTok and I was like, oh, I'm just going to, because I'm, I'm, I work from home, so there are days I'm more busy, days I'm less busy. And I was like, oh, I can just like post a video to TikTok every day and just like see what that does, right? So mm -hmm. I, I just posted, it was like a, 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 you know, a buffet of things, like food stuff, whatever I was making for dinner that day or like... But the thing that seemed to gain the most traction was like political stuff that that seemed to hit with people. So that was kind of what I did. 
uh, more than anything else. But um, so I, so for a while I was I was posting a TikTok a day, and then damn it, I had a point. I was I was gonna tie it into what we were talking about, but I totally forgot where I was going. I got I derailed Man. myself. Anyway, so I'm not on TikTok much anymore. It's it's I at one at a certain point I was like, okay, I'm kind of tired of this. You know, it just got old. But oh no, I remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> okay. Dave, he's really mad at himself now because he has to edit this in a certain way where it makes him look cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> which I will. It's gonna be a seamless. It's gonna be a seamless conversation when you hear it two months from now. Uh, Buddy, I'm going to refer back to it three or four times during the rest of the interview. Here, so. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> That's please, amazing. Please do. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, like I, you know, I'd post stuff or whatever, and then there were times where I'd have people comment stuff like, "You're almost forty on TikTok. Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> Which is about. That's a funny comment. That's a funny comment. But I was like. I was like, look, bro, like the geezers have already taken over Facebook. They took over Twitter. Like TikTok is ours now. It belongs to the old people. You got to go find the new cool thing. Like you're, you're in the wrong spot, youngster. You know, like. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. So is it still TikTok that the, that the youngsters are in? Like, is that, is that now where their stomping ground is? I mean, I don't yeah, I don't know. I know my my kid, my daughters. My, I've got a young, I've got a son who's eight years old, and then my daughters are fourteen and sixteen. So they're kind of like right at that age for all that stuff. And I gotta say, like Snapchat is more than anything else. They use Snapchat, which is more of a closed community of just their friends and people yeah. they follow. It's not quite as which, I, I, but also we also don't let them have like open social media where they can just like interact with whoever. So. Yeah. Scarlett wishes that she had TikTok. She's nine, and but she'll still tell us about TikTok videos, and we call it like Scarlett's secondhand TikTok videos. <laughs> she acts as though she's watched them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's. But my daughter, like, they do love TikTok. They still they have TikTok, oh, yeah. and and it's like a closed TikTok where it's like only their friends, and they're not searchable or anything. Um. So it's like it's a pretty locked down TikTok. But okay, I'll, I'll probably ask you about that later. Yeah. But they, but they'll still like, we were in the grocery store the other night and like, they were, they just like put a phone in on the shelf and they were like doing a TikTok dance in the middle of the aisle. And I was like, okay, like I've got to go get spinach and cherry tomatoes. Like you got, I got do your TikTok dance. Like I'll find you when yeah. I'm done grocery shopping. Like right. you get abducted. I'm just going to pull the phone. And, and right. We'll find your look. We'll action. find your location. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have time to sit here while you do this fucking TikTok dance, you know? <laughs> But it's fun. It's it's fun for them. And it, and I have to say, it is cool that, like, kids their age, like, one of the fun things they do is, like, they record silly dances with their friends and share it with their other friends. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Like, you know. That has a place. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind. It, it seems cool. Yeah. It's a, a healthy, yeah. you know, healthy expression of, of themselves, so. <laughs> yeah. Being happy? Sure. Yeah with that right all right <laughs> but well dave do you want to tell us about the uh the movie you chose for tonight and maybe why you chose it what your history with it is kind of your general thoughts on it oh no oh, man so i chose little shop of horrors 
not the one from the 80s with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis that everybody already knows. Right. Now, this is the OG original black and white uh, shot on a budget of $29,000 in three days, Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> um, you got, before you can understand the movie from the 80s, you got to understand the movie from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And it was so common back then to have a good movie and then a really poor movie and play them together. So this was obviously the B movie, to what they called it that, I guess. I don't know. Just had an epiphany. Hmm. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the actors are doing their best. You know, they're not going into it like ho-hum, another paycheck. These guys are putting everything into it. Oh, yeah. The 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 Gravis Mushnik character, he's got that Turkish accent that I don't know if it's real or not. You couldn't do that these days. But he doesn't play it to be racist he plays it to be funny he's like oh, my name is Gravis Mushnik I own this flower shop with Seymour Krellboyne you know I can't do it <laughs> that's, that's pretty good I don't think I'm being racist I'm, I'm trying to be the, Gravis Mushnik here but yeah you're canceled oh, now real, but that was yes, a pretty man, good Mushnik <laughs> it's a real throwback to kind of a simpler time uh, when you could have the worst special effects ever and people would just sit there and watch it and be like, you know what, this was worth 15 cents or whatever I paid to get in here. Somebody get me a Pepsi. I'm sure that's another nickel, but I can afford it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's just a fun movie, you know. It doesn't try to prove a point. It doesn't try to give you a moral at the end of the story like, hey, kids, take care of your plants. No, it's you're just going <laughs> to die and have fun. It's, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just going to die and have fun. <laughs> yeah, that's what life's about, man. That's what Little Shop of Horrors is about, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is wild how quickly they, they made that, they made it, like like you said, like two and a half, three days. But they did, they, they made a real solid movie in such a short amount of time. Once yeah. it's, like you said, Dave, it's a little budget. That's yeah. Wild. yeah, absolutely. And what's really nice is that it's public domain. You can go watch it on Wikipedia while you're reading the plot summary for free. <laughs> Yeah, I well, and I read that Roger Corman didn't think there was like a lot of financial viability in the movie, which is why it pretty he didn't copyright it, right? So it just went to public domain pretty much immediately. I th- I think. Right. Yeah. So they made whatever they were gonna make on it and called it good, and moved on. Yeah, which is man, and I wish that I, I as I was like looking into this, I read about. Uh, this documentary of Roger Corman, which I th- I'm going to watch that. I wish I had watched it before this episode, but I want to learn more about that guy. Cause it's, it's really interesting how he kind of got in and he's really responsible for like the, I don't know what they call it. Like the new wave in Hollywood, which you think of as like Spielberg and, and like those guys in the seventies. And, but you know, really like, I, th- I, I think Roger Corman kind of pioneered that and even gave a lot of those directors their start. I was reading, he gave like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, uh, Joe Dante, like all, James Cameron, like all those guys got their start from, from Ro- Roger Corman Productions, you know? Right. Yeah. Which was just crazy. And, and you know, I was also, again, reading just before the podcast how he even like tried to go the more mainstream, like big budget route and just didn't like it. Like it just wasn't his cup of tea. So he was like, no, I'm going to go back to like making small budget you know, just filming things in a week or two and just banging them out, you know, burning and churning these movies. 
Yeah, for sure. And somehow they managed to hook a young Jack Nicholson into being in this flick who puts on a, a lifetime performance. I mean, it's so great. Yeah. So believable yet over the top. It's He's got not the, like, like Joker, men or Joker like smile the whole time too, which is added to yeah. I like it. It sure does. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, and I I had seen him on like the, the whole... Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say the the whole performance by Jack Nicholson alone is enough to put him on the cover if you go and buy the dvds now it's just got his face on it so jack nicholson in little <laughs> shop of horrors yeah he's in it for two minutes but i mean he puts his whole heart and soul into it so yeah, yeah. i tip my hat to it if i was wearing one <laughs> well and i was surprised by how much like because i knew there was a 1960 movie i knew i knew it had been made into a musical and then into a movie so that i mean that's like a game of telephone right there right like Right. A few adaptations later. But I was almost surprised by how much was in the 1986 version that was carried through directly yeah. from the 1960 version. Like even even like Jack Nicholson's like whatever it's called, like sadomasochist, like going to the dentist for pain. Like you see Bill Murray do that in the 1986 version. And to my mind, like there that's that's something they added on right like that that's something new for but no jack nicholson was doing that like maybe a little less orgasmic but doing that same thing back in 1960 you know <laughs> yeah and for 1960 it was as much of a shock as it was to see bill murray do it in the 80s yeah 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 and what like and and, and the the funny thing is dave that we we j like the last episode released we released which yeah people listening to this now this will be about two months ago but uh we just released an episode on little shop of horrors from 1986 so uh -huh. so anybody listening to this now this will be kind of a fun companion piece to to, to that movie yeah um which and there are some interesting differences like audrey is not dating the dentist yeah in fact she's like low-key banging Mr. Mushnick, maybe? <laughs> it's implied, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what was going on there. Um, you can definitely see that there's a whole love triangle thing going on. You know, she's out to eat with Mushnick, and then she obviously wants to kiss Seymour, and that outfit she's wearing when she's introduced, you know, I think she wants to kiss me, but that's that's a whole different deal. We won't talk about that on this podcast. Well, there were some like there were some weird things like with like the high school girls. Oh yeah, the high school girls come in and like immediately start smooching on Seymour for growing a plant. You know, it was like it was odd. Yeah, <laughs> that's realistic, man. That happens all the time. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that must that must happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why Leonardo DiCaprio keeps a full greenhouse. You know. In his... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was trying to think. I was like, I was like, who's in the zeitgeist right now for dating high school girls? That's 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 what I came up with. <laughs> Ten years ago, it would have been Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but I think that was a good change because, like, Seymour accidentally killed the guy who dies on the train tracks. He like accidentally kills that guy. So with that one, you're like, okay. That's that was an accident. I you know I get it. But then the dentist like they just get into this weird like drill duel and then he kills the dentist and feeds him to the plant. 
I feel like the 1986 version, you have a bit more sympathy for Rick Moranis in that yeah. the deaths seem a little more accidental. Well, and you hate Steve Martin. Like, he's abusive to Audrey. Like, you're not mad when he dies. You're like, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Feed him to a plant. Yeah, I think he killed himself in that movie. Steve Martin did? How did he die? Yeah. Was it with the gas? He has, he has the gas mask and he just like, oh, he, in a rage, tries to turn it off, but the, the hand, the, um, the, the knob falls off. That's right. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. poisons him. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, and you hate that character anyway, right? Fuck him. Yeah, yeah, fuck him. So I think Rick Moranis's character is a lot more sympathetic in the 1986 version than... Because with this character, you pretty quickly go... And then there's that weird scene where he he's, like, hypnotized by the plant, but he goes out and kills a prostitute. Like, <laughs> well, you yeah. say it like that, dude. It's like Grand Theft Auto 1960s. <laughs> I mean, that leads to one of my favorite <laughs> unintentionally funny scenes when he's, you know, he's zoned out and he goes, my name's Seymour. And she goes, my name's Seymour. He goes, that's my name too. <laughs> I'm like, man, I hope you just came up with that on the fly because you're an improv genius. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah I love that. There's bit a lot too. of that fun humor in there. Where it's like back and forth. It almost reminds me of like, like a Sid Caesar era, like comedy roast. Mm-hmm. You know, like from back in the day, like Sammy Davis Jr. and all those. Remember, you've seen those on like late night yeah. infomercials. It's that like back and forth witty banter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And there was and 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 Dave, we Brent, have you watched the host yet? Which is the movie we're doing on Thursday with Adam Dix? No, no. Okay, it's a South Korean movie, but there. I'll probably just bring it up then. But there. In that movie, like, somebody's falling down all the time. And I watched it with my daughters. And we started counting, like, how many falls there were. Because people were falling down all the time. And then I watched this movie basically right after that movie. And Seymour's, like, falling down in every other scene. I was like, I was like, what? Like, every movie I'm watching this weekend, like, somebody's falling down every other scene, you know? I feel like that's that Jerry, Jerry Lewis humor. Yeah. I got a lot of that from him, from Seymour. Yeah, a lot of well, and I think this is a farce, right? So yeah, you get a lot of that physical, like, uh, what is it? What's it called? There's a word for it. Like, slapstick. Slapstick. Yeah, slapstick. Like yeah, slapstick. Like balls. Yeah. 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 It's good. I mean, yeah. it was good at the time. Now it's kind of campy, which is fine because I'm I'm watching it through the lens of like what it was like to watch it in the '60s. You know, that stuff was like big back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good falls like in the in the in the the plant shop. Yeah, he fall. Yeah, like the first scene you see him and he's like falling everywhere, and he doesn't stop. Like he keeps falling through the whole movie, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like if the opening of the Dick Van Dyke show was its whole own movie. <laughs> yeah, just tripping yeah, over. Yeah, like slips on a banana peel before he murders the prostitute. Yeah, he yeah literally slips on an actual banana peel. I was like, this is great. I love it. It's but it had a, it had a lot of good wordplay, um, or interesting wordplay, and there was. A couple lines in the beginning, like, you know, some of the lines were corny and they were campy, but at one point, uh, the guy played by Dick Miller, like, who's just this random guy who patronizes the shop and, like, eats all the flowers. Yeah, but it's a great, it's a beautiful character because it's about a movie about a plant that eats people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's a very pure character. Yeah, you're right. You're right. (laughs) But But at one point, he's like, He's like, yeah, it's that's probably the only plant of its kind in the world, and it's like, how? Where did you get that information? Like, why? What? What would make you think that that's this is the only plant like this? And are you like, 
I don't know. Are you an international botanist or? <laughs> uh, I mean, he has been to a lot of plant shops. He does say that. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, out of all the nine florists I've been to on Skid Row, it's the only one that has this plant in it. Really, dude. Maybe get out a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, yeah. I was just, you're right though that Mushnik like automatically defers to this guy, and he's like, he's like, okay, wait a minute. You, you, the, your job security now is based on this random dude, whether or not like he approves your plan. You know? And then there's a huge scene. He goes and he's gone a long time. And that man is still in the shop. Yeah. Just standing around waiting, eating flowers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. I love that. Yeah. But when he goes home, I saw something when he goes home. Right before he enters the house, it's supposed to be like what in like New York or New Jersey? I think so. There's oh. a giant palm tree outside of his uh, outside of his mom's house. I thought that was funny. Yeah, no, actually, isn't it West Coast somewhere? I think it plays in Southern California, oh, but they yeah. they don't say specifically. Oh, well, you're right. You know, he's definitely got that New York accent going on. Yeah, but you're right because that Mrs. Mrs. Fish Twanger, Fish Twanger, whatever her name is, she's from the site. <laughs> She's from the Society of Silent uh, Silent Observers of SoCal. So, yeah. Oh, I missed it. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Such good names in the movie. Yeah. There There's Dr. Good Mallard. Movie. Yeah. Like a quack. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and especially for, like, for a movie that was written over a weekend and, like, produced or, you know, filmed in two to three days, like, Man, I don't. It's really good. Like it's 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 of like pretty good quality. The acting, the dialogue, like it's it's really good for something that was banged out in like less than three days. You know. Yeah. I also love where he's like he's talking to to Audrey, and she's like she's paying him con- compliments, and he's like Seymour's like oh everyone says I'm not worth it, and she goes, I know. <laughs> Poor Seymour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the lovable loser every man character was big in the 60s. Yeah. You know, everybody could identify with him. You know, like, oh, I'm just another cog in the machine. Yeah, I know. You're nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Just another Krellborn. <laughs> I really like how pure the romance is between Seymour and Audrey. Mm-hmm. You know, you know well, I'd sure like to kiss you. Okay. You know, like, man, I was five years old once too, but. <laughs> <laughs> they they made that a real big personality trait for both of them, and I I think that's great. Yeah, no, I agree. And I man, and I <clears throat> I laughed when he was like he was like, oh, gee, Audrey, like you sure do kiss good. And she's like, oh well, I guess that's because I've got a good kisser. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Mushnik's like, ah, oh, I lost the learning disabled girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bravus <laughs> Mushnik will show you good kisser, Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> now we have kiss off. Seymour, <laughs> see me in the back room for five minutes. I must play five minutes in heaven. That's all we get in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're going to cancel me for that, and I don't even know what I meant by it, but whatever. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But there's also a line where Mushnik is like, he's talking about the plant. And he says it grows like a cold sore, which oh, yeah. I just, I was like, man, that's so good. <laughs> that's a beautiful line. 
And then just all the like the, the little plant. If you're going, go ahead. Oh no! I was just thinking about Seymour's mom on the same like vein of like cold sore. How she she thinks that she's sick with absolutely everything. Yeah. And then Seymour brings her home like just like a big old bottle of booze, which I think they alluded to. Maybe he wrote down like the ingredients and how to take it. Yeah. Did you gather that at all? I did. I thought maybe he it was him that like made the bottle. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. But I do like how she like they had the first dinner. Di- they had dinner with Audrey, and uh, the fr- like the appetizer. The first course was cough syrup, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, are they fucking? I don't know. Like I know that's a popular drink, like the purple drink, you know, co- who like little uh, little John or whatever. Like are they at a fucking little John concert drinking purple drink? <laughs> I don't know. It's Skid Row, man. It must be. <laughs> Right, I guess yeah, so. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, and and I think all of her food contains like sulfur and like things to improve plants. Oh, oh yeah, to that. crack and open a BC powder or something, right, and pouring it on there. Here, have a little bit of this. I'm like, oh, yeah, man. and it's from like a different time too. So she was like, "I'm gonna go get the flavoring." I was like, "I guess that's probably a thing they did," you know. And she right. starts putting something in their soups. Yeah. Well, and I think it was also supposed to be like, she wasn't a good cook, right? Like her, her food was shit. Right. I think that's what it's supposed to be, but I would say so. If it's got like elixirs and cod liver oil in it, there's no way you're going to make that good. No matter what else you add to it. Right. Yeah. A little NyQuil in the minestrone, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, you know the famous Italian recipe, Nyquil in the minestrone. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but yeah, like you were talking about a minute ago, Brent. Just like some of the wordplay, like she's when she's when she's on that date, maybe with Mushnik, and they're she's like uh, they're eating a Caesar salad, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this is a Caesarian Caesarian salad," you know, or or the high the high school girls are like, uh. Oh yeah, the people are gonna love this plant. They're just gonna eat it up. And Mushnik is like, "Eat the people up." <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. There's some like dumb but fun wordplay, you know. Absolutely. Somebody put their heart and soul into writing each one of those lines. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, I dug it. Me too. <laughs> I read on IMDb there was like a a joke that that wouldn't land today at all. And it was about where Audrey two or Audrey jr. Sorry. They call Audrey jr. Where Audrey jr. Came from. And it was like, the plant was like a hybrid of course of things, but, but like a hybrid of a plant that was near a cranberry field or whatever. And and that doesn't make sense to us. But in the, at the time cranberry sales had plummeted because of, there was like, some like horrible disease coming out of all the cranberries. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was just some throwaway line to us. But back then, it was like a, like a, like a political statement or whatever. <laughs> oh, that people, the audiences would have been able to glean more from that. They would have laughed. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I love shit. I love shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Nice. Well, what did y'all think about the cops who were like, like Officer Sergeant Joe Fink? Who's actually the narrator of the story, interestingly enough. Um, okay. And then Officer Stooley, who, I mean, they're obviously like a play on that, that uh, Dragnet TV show, right? 
Like the, okay. you know, just right. Yeah. Just the facts, ma'am. Um, yeah. The whole narration of the story combined with being in it, it it's a whole dragnet thing. Uh, I did enjoy when they're doing the back and forth down at the precinct. Like, well, I heard you lost your son. Well, them's the brakes. Yeah. They just go on like nothing. Yeah. When you hear that's that, hard to play you... these days for laughs, but you know, it was the sixties. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that that was a term. I thought that was like just from like an old school rap song. Them's are the brakes. <laughs> break it up, break it up. I thought that, and I was like, oh, okay, they, that's a thing. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, then they go, they go to Mushnik's store and in, in like inter- uh, interrogate him a little bit. Right. They just sort of like tell him the facts, and he just goes. Yeah, it wasn't me. And they were like, okay. Yeah. And they just like walk away. <laughs> yeah, and he's acting super suspicious the whole time. And then it's like, well, this guy's probably on the level. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the weirdest thing for me, like where they cut, like the woman who she, I think we see her in the flower shop before. She's like in tears. She's like, oh, I just lost my grandbaby because he was playing with matches or something. And you find out like she's the cop's mom. And then he comes in and gives another like, just the like they talk to Mushnik, and then on the way out, she's like, says something about, "Oh, you lost your baby or whatever," and he's like, "Well, that's the way it goes." And they just leave. <laughs> I was like, "What a weird, <laughs> what a weird decision to have like his mom in there grieving the lo- the loss of his son, but he doesn't really care." Like, I don't know. It was a weird. That's so weird that I didn't even catch that. Oh, so weird. Yeah, it's. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's really brief. Yeah, it's really it's odd. Yeah. The, they have a big. Keystone cops chase scene. Yeah, that's true. And something I found cool was the set of like the tire plant. Yeah, that that must have been a real place. I mean, in three days you're not going to make that set, right? That's true. Like that was badass. Like yeah, I wanted to that's... like be a teenager in the during those times and like sneak in there and just <laughs> run around. <laughs> yeah, it's almost guaranteed that someone pried open the gate while they were filming. and was like, all right, write a scene for this right now. We're going to figure something out. <laughs> yes. right. like, I'm surprised they didn't put Seymour in a big tire and roll him down the hill. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, like some mannequin's arms flopping inside of it or whatever. <laughs> You're right, dude. That would have been perfect. Why didn't they do that? <laughs> Maybe they didn't have time. They must have done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of, yeah, and I, mu- <laughs> oh, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> I say it must not have just looked good on film because I can almost guarantee that it happened. He might have lost his hat at some point. He's wearing that hat for ninety nine percent of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They well, and they probably used the same mannequin. They just put a different wig that he um, when he's carrying the prostitute in the back door. <laughs> the like the way she's flopping. I'm like, that's obvious. He's obviously just carrying a mannequin. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Seymour doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who can just deadlift 120, and he's carrying these people around in flower sacks like it's nothing. I'm like, well, here you go, Audrey Jr. Here, eat this foot. You know? Like, All right. Yeah. That I person know, was a lot bigger minutes ago. <laughs> after he after he killed the guy at the, the train yard, he's carrying around a very small sack of his thing, of, of his body. Yeah. But then he, like, goes around to lots of different places, and I didn't understand when he tried to get in the hearse. Like, what was all that about? Well, I think... Yeah, I think there was probably just an abandoned hearse that they found, and he opened it on you know, on camera, and like, oh, no, there's a body in here. We need to leave, because they flee that scene really quickly. Oh. I don't even remember. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I even caught that scene. Yeah. 
But he's just like kind of like I think he's trying to hide in different locations before he gets. Yeah, he's trying home. to. Yeah, he's trying to get rid of the body before yeah. he. But then when he realizes, oh, okay, he, like one of his ideas is I'm just gonna dump this pile of body parts in our hearse. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll just think it was supposed to be here. <laughs> Dead people go here. Yeah, yeah. like like the morning shift comes in and finds dead body parts and they're like, oh, it's like working in a restaurant. They're like, ah, oh, the fucking night shift didn't like put away. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they didn't. They, yeah, the the closers did a shitty job last night. <laughs> That's why there's an entire torso in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just yeah. sew it back together. <laughs> But yeah, that, you know. Yeah, but that scene was kind of gnarly when he's like feeding the the hand to the plant, the the tiny plant, and there and I don't know if it's the hand or the foot, but something like falls out of it, and I don't, it's not by today's standard, it's not super graphic or gory, but it was a little more than I expected from like a nineteen sixties, you know, uh, a movie like this. So I was like, oh, he's like feeding body parts to a plant. I didn't expect to see that, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he kind of established the whole like they did it in the '80s version too, like pushing on your finger for some drops of blood. Yeah, and then what I like—that's actually—and I think about now, now that I think about it, it's more graphic in the '60s version because he's taking like a, a hand, like you said, and he's squeezing the wrist of the hand to kind of make blood go down. Yeah. And like a chunk falls out of it, yeah. <laughs> like a chunk falls out of it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that seems unintentional. Like whatever they made that out of, you know, a roast beef or something. Yeah. And you're like, uh oh, fell apart. Good thing we only have one take to do with this. Yeah. Right. We've got to keep like 1960s it. 1960s Arby's. Yeah. We're just like, we've had so many health code violations. Right. <laughs> They're like, oh, you got horsey sauce all over the prop. You know? <laughs> Good thing it's black and white. No one will know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's how horsey sauce became a Hollywood tradition. <laughs> As we all know, the, the Hollywood tradition of horsey sauce. <laughs> made Arby's, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, all right, so what did you think about the the end? when the I, I kind of like this. This isn't something that was carried over, at least not the uh, the 1986 musical, but... When the buds all open up, and it's the yeah. the faces of the people who have died, like revealing Seymour's crimes to everybody, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I I thought that was a pretty cool uh, uh conceit, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure on the biology behind that, <laughs> but it was definitely fun to see, especially when you see him at the end. I didn't do it. <laughs> Flops over. That's, <laughs> well, that's and that's like. Yeah, I thought that was such a fun, and again, like probably just indicative of like a small budget, whatever, just slap something together. But yeah, the end of the movie is just you see Seymour's face and he says, I didn't mean it. And then yes. the end, <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. This last words. <laughs> yeah. Life wasted. Yeah. Oh. Dude, if if I'm ever if I'm ever on death row about to be put to death and they're like, what are your final words? I'll, I'll just be like, I didn't mean it. <laughs> we have to put your hands in front of your face and open it like they're petals. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> oh. oh man! He dies in a week. Like he like 
runs up to the plant with a knife. Yeah. Right? He climbs he climbs he in t- the plant with a knife, yeah. And was it that I feel like we talked about it for the nineteen eighty six version, but was he like trying to gut it from the inside? Was that his deal? I feel like we talked about that. Yeah, well and we watched different versions of the nineteen eighty six version. The one I watched, he ended oh, up electrocuting right. the plant and like blowing up the plant. And then the one you watched the plant like ended up taking over the world, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, I don't know. But, but yeah, he climbs in the plant with a knife, and you're like, okay, you know, Seymour's gonna take care of this plant, and it's then like, it it immediately cuts to the next scene. It's like, oh no, he just he was just eaten by the plant. It's like, did they have something else in mind? Maybe, <laughs> right? Just kind of ended it. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's so much action in the last five minutes of that movie. You could tell that they were just like, all right, we have an hour. We have to record everything. So yeah. let's get it. Let's get it. I mean, I was watching it on Wikipedia for free because, you know, this is the future and that's what we do. And I'm watching the runtime and it's just shrinking, shrinking. Like, the, this isn't the full movie. There's no way they're going to resolve this in 90 seconds. And they sure do. And at the end, just the end, bam, done. <laughs> Like, yeah. Go home. Well, I was curious. You know, it's like I should... he spent more time on the Mushnik robber scene, <laughs> which I freaking loved. Thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that the screenwriter who played the robber, and he made him get in the plant? Which I didn't think Mushnik was capable of that on the first watch. I'm like, no, nah, he's not going to do it. Well, he gets yeah. in the plant. The money is all the way in there. Go ahead. Right. Well, and I I really like that scene because it's like Mush Mushnik is like. I don't know. I, I was almost going to say the conscientious objector, but he's not because he goes along with it for profit. Right. But right. But he like yeah. more than Seymour, more than anybody, he's like against this plant from the beginning. And I really like how in that scene they were like, well, Mushnik, when you're really up against it, when you have like when you're put in this situation, what are you going to do? And Mushnik is like, well, I got to feed the guy to the plant. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really did like that scene because it's like, kind of puts Mushnik in a position where like he's got to make some hard decisions, you know, like yeah, yeah. self-preservation or money. Like, what do you think? What do you think? Right. Yeah. Self-preservation or money or even like, um, or, uh, like morality. You're right. Like your sense of morality, even, you know, do you think Mushnik would have fed the plant people later? Or do you think he was uh, done? I think he was probably kind of mentioned he was done with it, I guess. Yeah, but he sure liked making money. You remember that scene where he hears the register ringing and mm, listen to all that money. <laughs> you know, the first time he walked in on it, that's what made him so sick. And he had to go back to the restaurant and order anything to drink, which is a common thing to do. Yeah. Especially when you don't have any money. <laughs> oh, you don't have any money? No, bring me alcohol. Lots of it. Okay. Boy, like, man, I wish that worked that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could like toss a piece of jewelry at a waiter and be like, that should cover it for today. <laughs> Look, I've got this Casio calculator watch. Bring me some alcohol, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. There was uh, I don't this just makes me think of like when we first moved to the Chicago area, um, we moved to this apartment in Evanston and we'd been like moving all day. We had just moved up here, we'd been like unpacking all day. And it was just, you know, our kids were younger at the time. My son, who's eight now, would have been 
like a newborn then basically right so it's like it's exhausting so we're all we're all tired and we we go to this greek restaurant down the road and we're like oh yeah we're finally just gonna sit down and eat we haven't eaten all day like so we sit down we order our food and then i realize i i look up at the register or whatever and it says that the place is cash only right and we just had cards i didn't have cash with us so we had already ordered and the the server comes back and I'm like, ugh, I'm like, ma'am, I, I only have a car. We're going to have to leave. Like, I'm sorry if you started cooking the food or whatever, like we're going to have to go somewhere else. Like I don't have any cash. I can't pay you. Um, and she was so nice and accommodating. And she was like, no, don't worry about it. We're going to take care of you. Like, just come back and pay us when like, go get some cash, pay us tomorrow, the next day, whatever. And like, they took, they just like fed us and took care of us. And it was so like, it was so nice. And like, yeah, I feel like you don't get a lot of that. And like, I went back and like paid the bill and like, I tipped her, I think a hundred percent or more like, but it was just so nice to like, I don't know, be in that situation, have somebody like, no, you're good. Like, we'll take care of you. You know? Yeah. We were going to throw that food out later. anyway. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's all, it's all bad. It's all moldy. (laughs) This rack of lamb is like three days old. Right. It's been spinning on this, this gyro spit. For weeks, we don't even know. Like, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh shit! Oh man! It's so interesting that you mentioned a Greek restaurant because my my wife famously like talks in her sleep, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, Corey, last night I was like trying to go to sleep, and she says, uh, "They have the best tzatziki sauce." <laughs> In her sleep, she said that out loud last night. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I love that stuff. We should go get gyros yeah. this weekend. What, was, was she talking about Trojan horse or? <laughs> I don't know what she was talking about. It just it sometimes just like talks in her sleep. And it just, sorry, it, you reminded me of that and it fit perfectly. Yeah. No, that's awesome. <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to get some gyros in the near future. Yeah, yeah. But. Well, I guess really the only other thing I had in my notes here was just Roger, you know, Roger Corman. I think we talked about, you know, given all kinds of directors their start and then, you know, he, I feel like even in the early seventies, he really moved from direct, from being a director into being a producer. Um, I, I read a quote where he said, being a director is like hard and painful and takes a lot out of you. He was like, being a producer is much easier. So he actually, I think he directed very few films after like 1970, 1971, maybe. Um, so he produced like three times as many films as he directed. Um, but he also, he also opened a, dis- a distribution company where he started importing films from elsewhere. Uh, people like Ingmar Bergman, uh, Federico Fellini, Akira Kurosawa, like some of the biggest directors ever anywhere, like you know, Corman was the one importing that shit into the U.S., you know? So, and like, I, I'm definitely going to watch this documentary about this guy. I wish I had had time before this episode, but I want to... What's it called? Uh, the documentary, I've got it saved here. But just because, I, you know, you always hear about Roger Corman, but I want to learn more about him. Uh, Corman's World, Exploits of a Hollywood Rebel. It's important to make sure you're watching the documentary on the correct Corman so you don't get Harvey Corman and you learn about Dorf on golf. This is a whole different <laughs> documentary to look at. Just just throwing that out there. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude, my Can dad fucking about- loved Dorf. I don't like Mine too. 
we had dwarf goes fishing. Yeah. <laughs> dwarf goes hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite one, dude. <laughs> dwarf goes oh, no. hard in the paint. Yeah. Oh, Brent, I think I told you about how I stumbled on a video my dad had, which was essentially dwarf goes hard, right? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it was oh, a... Really? I, I know I've told you this. It was, I just remember seeing this scene where, with this small person, this naked small person just wearing an apron, chasing a woman around with a spatula. And I was like, but it, was it a real small person? Yes. Yeah. And did they have like a prosthetic, like, like extension leg? Like, cause didn't he like sit on, he like stood on his knees. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Actor- this, no, this was a real small person. I don't know. I don't know where my dad got this video or what it Wait, was. A real small person or a realistically small person? <laughs> the the latter, an an actual small person. Yeah, yeah. And he's chasing this naked woman around, and I my my twelve year old self was like, "What the fuck am I watching right now?" Like, ah, <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, all right. Well, gentlemen. Before yeah. we, before we get into head cannons, is there anything else? Did we miss anything about this movie? Anything else y'all want to talk about uh, before we kind of do head cannons and wrap up here? You know, we've been recording for about the length of the movie. <laughs> if, if we were playing the movie in the background, it'd be like that Pink Floyd thing where everything stinks up. Uh, right about now, we'd be at the part where the cops are there, and you know, this plant better open up, Mister Mushnick, or I'm gonna have to give the award to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Just hit hit play on this podcast as soon as the lion roars and it all like. <laughs> yeah, was there a lion or was it just uh, a whole bunch of line art somebody did with a ballpoint pen back in 1960? I, that's what it was. Which I I mean I it was that, but I got to say, kind of a cool opening with the Skid Row artwork and the the narration on it. Oh, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't say that it was like marvel cinematic universe quality good or anything but it was better than i could do so another hat tip i don't start wearing hats when i do podcasts i I need to (laughs) yeah that's why i keep these are all my wife's hats but i keep them here just in case them all yeah oh okay that's a four hat tipper right there (laughs) sling 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 i think the pink one is like a bedpan i always think of i think it looks like a bedpan it's just full of vomit it's full of oh my God. vomit and piss. Is that piss. what you use a bedpan for? <laughs> yes, yeah. you could. You could. I, it, it, everything goes in one way and comes out one way. I can't like it. I keep, oh, it man. I, I keep it simple, you know. Next week, we're talking about the 2006 South Korean film, The Host. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon, on Instagram at Head Cannon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash Horror Movie Pod. All right. Well, do y'all have a head cannon, or do you want me to go first? Doesn't matter to me. You go first. That way, I make sure I'm doing it right. Okay. All right. Well, my headcanon is that uh, after Seymour is killed by the plant and he shows up in that, his face shows up in the bud, is, you know, Audrey's just lost the love of her life, so she has to turn to somebody else. She turns to the character played by Dick Miller, who is a great actor. We, we've talked about him. He was in The Terminator. He was in The Burbs. You know, Dick Miller's a great actor. Um. So they get together. They kind of want to put all this behind them. Maybe they move away. He decides to change his name, you know, and they go by by Fetterman. 
So they they get married, they grow old together, they 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 change their last name to Fetterman, and then they they both end up in the Gremlins movies, uh, played by these same actors uh, the, and the Fetterman. So that's that's my head. Very change. good. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to make that connection or not, but Jackie Joseph absolutely was in Gremlins. She was, and I feel like she was definitely more attractive to me in Little Shop of Horrors, nineteen sixty, than in the Gremlins, but. Who am I to say no, you know? Right. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, and you know, you get a little bit older. Like, we just, we uh, rewatched Misery recently. And and my buddy was like, he was like, you know, like, 40-year-old Kathy Bates, he was like, when I was a kid, would not have found her attractive. He was like, I don't know, but rewatching Misery. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I can see that. <laughs> now that I'm pushing 40, you know? <laughs> You know, speaking of misery, here's a little headcanon for you. Old yeah. Jack Nicholson and Kathy Bates were in a hot tub naked in the movie About and Schmidt. About Schmidt. And you That's... see way more than you want to see. Right. So it's my thought that after this whole dental experience thing, he wants to go and do what? Be miserable. <laughs> Who best to be miserable with? Let's go with <laughs> Kathy Bates from Misery. And then, you know, go watch that scene from About Schmidt. That's a That's an eye-opener. <laughs> That's perfect. That's so good. That's oh man, that's great. <laughs> I remember I saw about Schmidt when it first came out, and I love that movie. I, I haven't seen it recently, but I remember really liking that movie. But uh, but yeah, that scene was unexpected. You know, comes out of left field and and <laughs> fully unexpected. Kind of like the scene in uh, Life of Brian where you see the Brian character fully frontally nude there for at least a full second before the camera zooms back and you're like, Oh, I'm just watching this. Oh, oh no, that's a penis oh. right there. That's, that's a penis. Oh, there's Are we going to talk about Jesus some more? Yeah, man. All right. Well, what about you? Brent? Sorry if you don't want me saying penis on the pop podcast. Oh no. You penis say, cast. say anything you want. There are no, no rules here. No holds barred. No. Yeah. Can I mention how you're editing the first few minutes of this thing to cut out one of your screw-ups? That's all. <laughs> only other than that and then this, yes. <laughs> Which I'm keeping this in, absolutely. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, man, I, str I struggled to do a, a, a... I struggled to tie in Dorf in my, in my headcanon at the end there. It's like a... Whoosh, as like a as a buzzer beater, but uh, anyway, I was with my original, and that was I think that what Seymour could have done was single handedly solve the Skid Row rat problem, and just, instead of like because okay, he was like a scientist, basically a botanist, and crossbreeded these like carnivorous plants, and like almost killed them, almost killed Audrey, and not even thinking about like feeding it some sort of like a like a live bait or whatever like a, right. like a fly or something yeah, like that. which it obviously looks like a venus flytrap like you would think yeah yeah it looks like a penis flytrap and <laughs> you can say you can say it it's okay david you can, you can say it um yeah and so i, I think that he could have single-handedly um fix the rat problem on skid row and he could have i, I guess to do my tie-in you could have change the title to Steven Dorf does Skid Row. I don't know. I was thinking I, I was reaching. Tie in his Blade character. <laughs> oh, yes. With blood? 
Oh, man. Hell yeah. Have y'all watched the uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities? No. At all? On Netflix? I have not. Uh, I've just watched the first two episodes. The first episode has Tim Blake Nelson. It's so good. Tim Blake Nelson is awesome. Um, and I just watched the second episode and it has a lot to do with rats and grave digging and tunnels underneath the ground and claustrophobia. And it's uh, maybe cause uh, maybe cause I have a touch of claustrophobia, but man, that stuff doesn't usually get to me, but, but there were times where I was like, I'm really uncomfortable watching this right now. (laughs) Like, you know? But it's pretty Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. There's, there's like a good movie called like Crawl, I think. I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it where like a lady has to crawl and the, the space gets tighter and tighter and tighter? Yeah. I couldn't watch it. I'm like you. If it's something like, like a, if, if like a character is like pushed into like a big crowd of people mm-hmm. where it's like suffocating, it makes me feel awful. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Dave, Dave's gonna use that against you in the mob to destroy me. <laughs> I mean, just saying, if there's a big carnivorous plant that I shoved you into, would that kind of uh, trigger that? Yeah, that would. That'd Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm gonna wrap up here, uh, Dave. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. Good to actually meet you in person. Um, I hope you do reach out when you come to Chicago. I, I, I would love that. Um, is, is there anything, Definitely. anything you want to plug or, or leave people with before we, we wrap up here? Um, so the only thing I've really been plugging lately is my music. If you guys, uh, go check us out on Twitter. Uh, adrenaline Denver is the name. Check us out on Spotify adrenaline without the trailing E I know there's about 7,000 other bands with that name, but you know what? I was 16 and I had a vision stuck with the name. Uh, Easiest way to find us is to look for some of our songs like Bored and Alone, Pretty But Dead. We're the only Adrenaline who has those song titles. And yeah, check us out. Come to Denver and buy our shirts, do whatever. No big whoop. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you again. Thank you, Brent. Uh, Thank you, everyone at home for listening. This has been Headcanon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>